Well, Mark chapter 6, if you would take your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 6, we are going through this gospel, and I love it when God, just through expositional preaching, brings us to uh, very specific passages for specific days. I don't believe that it is a coincidence at all that on Graduate Sunday we come to such a text. Because what we will see today is that the Lord is preparing his followers for a different season in life and ministry, just as our young people are entering, our graduates are entering a different season of life. As Christians, we understand this. Listen, we don't just go through different seasons of life. We go through different seasons of ministry because as the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, as Christians, as disciples, we are all ministers and ambassadors that are actively involved in gospel ministry. Wherever it is that we go, God has placed us into ministry. And as we have seen in Mark chapter 6, the apostles are in this apprenticeship of the school of ministry. They're learning from the life of Jesus how to serve, how to minister. And young people, I want to stress this this morning, that it is important for you to find your significance and who you are and your purpose, not in a career, but in Jesus Christ. For you to live for something that is beyond you. For you to find your significance in the kingdom of God. Not in the kingdom of this world. Not your own kingdom. That you find your significance in eternal impact and not just temporary impact. And so by way of review, I want you to remember that Jesus has sent out the apostles. He's sent out his followers to do what only Jesus had been doing before this. And that is healing and casting out demons and teaching and preaching. And obviously God has blessed their ministry as they have gone out. And they're coming back in now to give a report and to take a a vacation, a time of rest. And what they thought was going to be maybe a more extended vacation than it was We see that it was quickly interrupted. If you're able physically to stand, would you stand once more for the reading of God's Word as we honor it, beginning in verse number 30. We'll back up just a little bit to to catch the whole thought here. The apostles gathered themselves together. It says, after they had been out ministering, they gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, speaking of Jesus, and they ran afoot, they ran around the sea, thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, outran them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, when they got to the other side, Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat and he answered and said unto them give ye them to eat and they say unto him shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat 
And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat. And they were all filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. This is the word of God to us. Let's pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Father, we come to you once again. We come humbly to you, Lord, as you are our God. We come honestly before you, Lord. You already know our hearts. You know all the secret things of our life. And so we come before you honestly today. And Lord, we come to you hungry, hungry for your word, hungry to be filled with your spirit, hungry to hear from you today what you would have for us from your word. May this not just be another time, just something we check off, but God speak to us in the next few moments we pray through your word. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. As you study through a gospel, like we're going through the gospel of Mark, we're seeing Jesus Christ in all of his glory and power. You know, the whole reason for the Old Testament is to point to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The whole reason for the New Testament is to introduce us to Jesus in the fullness of his revelation. The focus of everything is Jesus Christ. To know about him so that we will come to know him, first of all, in faith and repentance, and so that we will become more like him and more conformed to his image. I love what Paul says in Philippians, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know more about him. And really, as we're studying the Gospels, that is what we are doing. We're wanting to know more about Jesus. I remember as a boy often singing a song in church, and many of you that are over 30 will remember this song, and I've taken the title of it as our title this morning, Little is Much When God is in It. The chorus says, Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. Little is much. When God is in it. And this story reminds us of the greatness of God, the majesty of Jesus Christ and His power. His power to make much out of little. And I, for one, I don't know about you, but I am, I for one am glad that God can make much out of little. That He can take nothing and He can make something out of it. One of my favorite Old Testament verses is Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 4 that says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. John the Baptist understood this concept, didn't he? In John chapter 3 and verse 30, which when he said, which is one of my life verses, that he must increase, but I must decrease. Young people, I pray, and adults, I pray that it is our desire that our lives, listen, make an eternal impact, not through our own power, not through what we can accomplish, but through the almighty power of God. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. 
That when people see us, they don't see our own ability, they don't see our own strength, but they see the power of God. That when they see us, they see something superhuman, supernatural, that is beyond ourselves. Or as my mentor used to say, that when they look at our lives and they look at our families and they look at our church, that they will look at us and they will say that that is something that only God could accomplish. Only God could do that through such a simple person. And that's what we see in our text this morning is a, another instance where you have to look at it and you can, you can only say, this is supernatural. This is of God. It's not, again, by coincidence that this miracle comes right after the apostles have been out and, and ministering in the field and have no doubt been quote unquote successful. Maybe they feel a little elevated and Jesus comes with a very humbling reminder. This monumental miracle, this miracle, by the way, that John tells us is the miracle that made them want Jesus to be their king. I mean, who wouldn't want the ultimate welfare system where the king can just speak and multiply your food? This was the miracle. In fact, there are only two miracles. There's only two miracles that all four of the gospel writers record. One is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the other one is this one, the feeding of the thousands. We call it the feeding of the thousands because he tells us here there were 5,000 men. The other writers, Matthew also includes that there were women and children. It's been estimated that there was probably a minimum of fifteen to 20,000 people there. So the flannel graphs with all the little people standing on the hill while Jesus multiplies us, doesn't really give us a, a good idea of it. In fact, I have a, a picture of a Colosseum in London that seats fifteen to 20,000. This would have been the masses that Jesus fed with just five loaves and two fishes. Five, really five pancakes and two sardines. Jesus took that and he fed this crowd, not that crowd actually, but that amount of people. This is a reminder of what both John and Luke remind us when Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me, ye can do nothing. This was a message to the disciples. Without me, you can do nothing. And what Luke reminds us, with God, nothing shall be impossible. So how can we make a supernatural, eternal impact? Let me just suggest three things and I know what time it is. Bear with me this morning, all right? Number one, little is much when we see others with compassion, not conceit. Little is much when we see other people the way that Jesus sees them. As you remember, Jesus and his disciples, they were planning to take this short vacation, this rest after their intense season of ministry. But as they come to verse 33, we see that the, the people have beat them to the other side. They have, they have, they want more. They want more of Jesus' teaching. They want more of his miracles. Remember now, the 70 have gone out and so word has spread. And there is a movement that is, that is going on. The disciples are tired, and as they arrive on the other side, there's this massive crowd, and I, I think, what would your response be after you just came off of a very tiring time of life and ministry? Would you feel anticipation and compassion for these crowds that are there that are met, met you, or would there be irritation? Don't forget that this is 
the school of ministry for these disciples. And there's nothing coincidental about this. There is no accident. Jesus has designed this to teach his followers and to teach his disciples and to teach you and I. We see the response of Jesus in verse number 34. Look at it. When Jesus came out and saw much people, he was moved with compassion toward them. Why? Because they were a sheep having no shepherd. A a sheep without a shepherd, a herd of sheep without a shepherd means that they cannot find their way to pasture, that they will starve, that they are defenseless against their predators, that they are totally helpless. And this statement is an indictment, by the way, on the religious leaders of this day because they should have been spiritual shepherds, but they weren't. Jesus saw all these people coming toward him and his heart was moved with care and concern. Luke 9, 11 says that Jesus welcomed them. He received them while the apostles, while the disciples reveal their carnality and their conceit. They did not see the people through the same eyes of compassion as Jesus did. And Jesus shows us, look, what we are able to supernaturally experience even in the midst of physical fatigue, even in the midst of emotional exhaustion, even in the middle of spiritual warfare, that God can make much out of little if we can see by His Spirit through eyes of compassion. I don't know about you, but there have been times I've been tired. There have been times that I've been weary. There have been times that things have happened in life and God has brought something to me, a situation to me. And if I'm honest with you, I looked at it more as an irritation than an opportunity. And I did not see through the eyes of Jesus Christ with the eyes of compassion. And my challenge to all of us this morning, church, is this. That we see our community that God has given us to serve in, not through eyes of carnality, not through eyes of conceit, but we see them as we leave here today with compassion as sheep without a shepherd. That there are people in this community, maybe religious, there were plenty of religious people here, maybe people that God has brought here to this community and he has, he has brought them to our front door and as we walk into their lives, how do you see them? You see them with eyes of compassion. In just a few weeks we're going to have VBS and there's going to be what will seem like thousands of kids around us. But I want you to know that God has brought them to us and when you're tired, when you're weak, see them with compassion, not with irritation. Not through eyes of self-preservation, but through eyes of compassion. We see the disciples' reaction in verse 36. Look at it. Some of us have said this before. Send them away. Send them away. I mean, don't you know what we've been through? We're tired. And unfortunately, this is the attitude of many churches today, many Christians today, and may it never be the attitude of this church. Just send them away and let someone else deal with them. But may we see those that God brings to us with eyes of compassion. Little as much when we see them with compassion. Secondly, little as much when we focus on opportunities, not on obstacles. 
Verse 36 through 38 reveals to us what the apostles saw. They saw obstacles. What did they see? They saw thousands of hungry people. They saw that it was getting late, that it was getting dark. They saw that it would take eight months worth of wages to feed this crowd that could come to them. They saw through human eyes. All they could see were the obstacles that were facing them. But Jesus, on the other hand, saw something very different. He didn't see the obstacles, but he saw an opportunity. I want you to consider John's account of this for a second because he gives us, of course, more of the details than Mark does. Mark just kind of skims over the surface and gives us the main points. But I want you to see what Jesus saw because instead of an interruption, Jesus saw this as an opportunity to illustrate He sees it as an opportunity to illustrate, first of all, to the crowd that he was going to be teaching as he distributed the bread that he, indeed, Jesus Christ, was who? The bread of life. The bread of life that would never uh, allow them to hunger again. Let me just, for sake of time, read to you verse number 32 through 35 of John chapter 6. He says to them, then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. We want this bread where we'll never hunger again. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. And any man who cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Jesus did not see this as an interruption. He saw this as an opportunity to illustrate to them an eternal truth that if you will believe in me, if you will repent of your sin, if you will repent of your religion and turn in faith to me, you can have bread that will cause you to never hunger again. Jesus also gave an illustration to the disciples, didn't he? Not just to those he was teaching, but he also took the time to see this as an opportunity to illustrate to the disciples who had just gone out on their own without the physical presence of Jesus to heal and to cast out demons and to preach and teach. And he he brings them back for this illustration, this teaching moment to remind them That we do not create the message. That we simply distribute the message. That we are the servants of Jesus Christ. This is an opportunity for him to illustrate to them how much they need him. Do we see, my question to you this morning, do we see the obstacles of life? Or do we see opportunities? When you're confronted with what seems like an obstacle, do you look at it and take it as an opportunity to share an eternal truth or the everlasting message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you focus on the temporary hardships or the eternal impact? Do you focus on the difficulty of the preparation? Well, this is going to take a lot of time. This is very inconvenient. Or do you think about the reward of the product? And what Jesus can do through this opportunity. Lastly, not only is little much when we see with eyes of compassion, not only is little much when we focus on opportunities, but thirdly, little is much when we obey God in total dependence 
not doubt. We see this in verses 39 through 44. Again, we see a little more of the details in John's account. The apostle Philip responds with no faith. He says in John 6, 5 through 7, For when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him or to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Now this isn't the main point, but I want you to underline that little phrase in your Bible, he himself knew what he would do. Please listen, as we serve Jesus and we are confronted with human needs such as hungry people, as we are confronted with needs that are beyond our human ability, Jesus knows already what he is going to do in meeting that need. He himself knew what he would do. When we see people with compassion, when we focus on opportunity rather than obstacles, it will lead us to obey God in total dependence upon him. And I cannot read this story without thinking of the life and ministry of George Mueller. If you've never read about George Mueller, I would encourage you to read about his life and ministry, a man who for many years in London ran orphanage, orphanages that housed thousands of boys and girls. The, the stories are, are many as he journals of the times when he would gather those children together around the tables with glasses of water and empty bowls. And he would tell the children, children, let's bow our heads and let's pray and thank God for the food that we're about to eat. The children didn't necessarily know it, but there was no food in the orphanage. There was no food to feed these children, and he would tell them, we're going to pray and we're going to thank God for the food that we have. He records this instant, many like it, as he was standing and thanking God for the meal. Halfway through his prayer, there was a knock at the door. A man who ran the bakery in town was standing at the door and he said, George, my cart just lost a wheel and bread is spilled all over the street. The packages are torn and I know the people that I'm selling to will not want them. Could you use some loaves? Story after story after story of George Mueller, a man whose total dependence was upon God. Listen, when you see through eyes of compassion... When you see opportunity instead of obstacles, it will cause you to rely completely, dependently upon Jesus Christ, upon God's provision for our needs. John 6 records for us that Andrew did have a little faith, didn't he? He acknowledges that there was a boy who had five loaves and two fishes. Perhaps this small act of faith brought on laughter by the other disciples. In fact, John records that Andrew, after he makes this statement, he makes this statement, but what are those among so many? I mean, this is just a boy's lunch. He would scarf it down that quick. How is that going to feed 20,000 people? But notice what Jesus says, John 6, verse 10 and 11. Jesus said, make the men sit down. 
Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus could have performed this miracle in a number of ways. He could have snapped and a banquet table be put in the middle of each of the 50 people. He could have spoke like he did when he spoke the worlds into existence. But Jesus chose to illustrate again that he will take what we give him even though it seems like little to nothing and he will use us that he designed this miracle to use the disciples. And Jesus again turns our attention to others. Listen, if you miss everything else, don't miss what he's trying to tell them here. As he comes to the sea, there's a multitude. They're tired. They're irritated. Jesus is moved with compassion. What they see as obstacles, what Jesus sees as opportunity. And they have no choice but to rely dependently upon him. Jesus is turning their attention, look, away from themselves, away from their physical fatigue, away from the irritations, and getting them to get their eyes on others. Church, we need to keep our eyes on others. We need to keep our eyes on serving others, on giving the gospel to others. Our priority in life should be others. If you want to come to the end of your life with a sense of significance, pour into others. Pour into the next generation. Ladies, get back on the nursery list and say, hey, until the Lord calls me home or I can't physically do it anymore, I'm going to serve. I'm gonna, I am going to encourage the next generation. In just a few weeks, we're going we're gonna to be starting a Wednesday night children's program, and I'm so excited about this. Listen, we have to have a vision for the gospel going to the next generation. Get our eyes off of ourselves. Get our eyes on other peoples and understand that our resource for ministering is Christ, not ourselves. Jesus can make a lot out of a little. You may say, well, I don't have much to offer. That's good news. One of my favorite quotes in ministry is this, that if dependence on God is the objective, then weakness is the advantage. If dependence on God is the goal, is the objective, then our human weakness is an advantage. And Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my, not my gifts, my infirmities, that the power of of Christ may rest upon me. Listen, the greatest ability that you and I have is our availability. Our availability to say, here am I, God. Take this. It's not much, but take it, John, and use it and multiply it and do something God-sized and do something so that when people look at me, they don't see human ability. They don't see natural ability. They see God. 
They see an all-powerful God who is able to do supernatural things. And it all starts as we get our eyes off of ourselves and we get our eyes on other people. Just give God what you have and see what he does with it. I think of the lady in the Bible that there's a great statement about her. It simply says she hath done what she could. She's given what she could. Give him, surrender what you have and watch him multiply it and watch him do something that is beyond our imagination, that this community will look at our lives, at our families, at this church, and they will only be able to say, that's not natural, that's not human, that's something that only God could do. And surrender all that we have to him. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this powerful story recorded for us in all four of the Gospels, reminding us, Lord, that you want to use us, that you want us to be the distributors of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You want us, Lord, to join you in your mission for the world. It is a humbling thing. And God, as I watched our teenagers this morning, our young people, our students, lead us in worship, I'm reminded, God, that we need them. We need them to have a heart for God. We need them, Lord, to get outside of their selves. And my heart was stirred this morning as I saw them worship you, not focused on self, not drawing attention on themselves, but Lord, pointing people to you. And I pray, God, that that would be not only their heart, but that would be our heart. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who get our eyes off of ourselves, surrender to you. And God, I pray that if there's someone here today who has never tasted of the bread of life, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be that day. I pray, Lord, that we would We would be a light and testimony to this community. I pray that we would have faith so that when they see our lives, when they see what you're doing, it will be something that attracts them to you, that draws them to you. We pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen.